But I want to talk to you about your marriage today and about your life. There's a, there's a great scripture that the Lord gives us, and it's in Matthew chapter 7. It's also recorded in other of the, other, of the, other gospels, but Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. So Jesus is talking about building our foundation on a rock, building our house, building our life on the right foundation. So I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and my life was way out of control. The first time I heard the name of Jesus in my life was when I was 21. And I don't want to go into a lot of my story, but I was a mess when I came to Jesus. Any of you were a mess when you came to Jesus? I mean, I was in the military, I was in the Navy, a missionary led me to Christ, but I was shutting down the bars almost every night. I was involved in all kinds of crazy things, fights, bar fights and all that. I joined the Navy boxing team when I was on Guam for, my, for the Navy there. Not, not the, like the Navy team, big deal. Navy. We're like Golden Gloves level. So I joined that because I just like hitting people. <laughs> people just ticked me off for some, for some reason. And so the best way to do that was just to join the boxing team, get in the ring, or else I'd get put in jail. So I just, you know, I, I, I thought it through. And so I did that. But what, what, what a lot of people didn't know, I seemed to be the life of the party. But really, I was, I was miserable. I was full of torment in my life. I didn't know the reason for living. I, didn't, I thought, why? what is life all about? Who needs it? I wasn't suicidal, but I kind of had a death wish that someone would take me out and doing something reckless. You know, I had that, like, well, what's the difference? And so what happened, I was invited to go to this little Assemblies of God Missions church on Guam. And the church was probably 75 people and maybe um, half the size of this building. And I, and I was invited to go there because a, a guy in the cafeteria came up to me on a Sunday morning and he, and he asked me what I was doing that day, and I had kind of a reputation of, uh, you know, not the right kind of reputation on base, and he came up and he said, what are you doing today? And I'd never seen him before, and I said, well, I'm waiting until the bars are going to open on Guam, and then I'm going to go to the bar. And he said, well, um, can I take you? And, and I said, well, where, where do you go? And he said, oh, I go to Jigo. I'd give you a ride to Jigo. So that's a little community on Guam. And, and I thought, Jigo, there's a favorite bar there, but it doesn't open until noon. He said, why don't you go to church with me, and then you can go to the bar. And I thought, hey, free ride to, free ride to the bar. So I, so I got in the car, and, that's what, and so what happened, I went to the church service because I was going to the bar. So why did you come today, by the way? <laughs> and so, but what happened, you know, I, 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 was, I knew what evil felt like. I knew what danger felt like. I knew what... You know, just like crazy things felt like. But what happened when I came in that building, I sensed the presence of God. And I never sensed that in my life. I mean, like today, you feel peace of God, feel the presence of God. I sensed it. I didn't know how to define it. And so I was sitting there, and I was watching the service, and people were sincere. Like we were standing a few moments ago. They were worshiping God, their hands up, tears flowing down a lot of people's cheeks, you know. And I said, wow, this is an interesting place. I mean, people are sincere. And so at the end of the service, I was sitting next to this elderly lady, and she was crying the whole service. And, and she, at the end of the service, I thought maybe I stepped on her foot or something. Why is she crying? Have I offended her? Have I hurt her? I was way back in the back you know, like back by you, and I was back, and so I was there, and, and, she, and she, at the end of the service, she, she stood up, and a little shaky hand, she put it in my hand, she was, her name was Sister Kolkoff from Texas, and, and her husband was in the oil business on Guam, and she was very elderly, and she, and she said, son, 
I've been praying for you all service. And no one had ever said anything like that in my life. Never heard the words, I love you, from my parents. I never could amount to anything in my family. And I thought, this is my life. And she said that, and it hit my heart. And the guy that brought me to church that day, instead of going to the bar, I said, take me back to base. And I went back to base, and on the way back, I, I said to him, when does church meet again? I didn't know if they met once a week, once a month, you know. Uh, you know, I just didn't know when they met. You know, I had no Christianese in my life at all. No language like us. You know, we talk Christianese. And, and so I, I, he said, it meets tonight. And I said, are you coming back? He said, yeah. And he said, bring, I want you to bring me back. So that night I came back and um, it was Sunday night. And uh, I was set way back in the back again. And I uh, heard the same kind of message. God has got a second chance. He'll change your life. And so what happened is... Um, I listened, and again, I saw the sincerity around the room. And at the end of the service, you know, what they did on Sunday night in that little church is everybody, it seemed like, said, come on up front, let's pray in the week. Do you ever remember praying in things or praying through things? And so I, I didn't know what that meant, but all I knew is bodies got up, came to the front, and they're up there. So I said, I'm all alone back here. I'm going to look weird, so I'm going to go up there and, and be with them. <laughs> that was really my rationale. And so, like, I remember right where I was, like, that side, the missionary's here, I'm over there, bunch of people around here, and I noticed no one was standing up except me. And I said, I don't want to look weird, so I got on my knees. And I noticed they were talking out loud. I thought they were talking to themselves. I didn't know what prayer was. So I had this conversation going on with me, and I said, Wade, what are you doing here? How are you going to get out of this place and look cool? You know, and so <laughs> missionary comes over to me, and he said, son, you look really confused. I said, you got it, man. I have no idea what I'm doing here. And uh, he said, well, can I tell you something? I said, please do. And, and so for like two or three minutes, he started speaking to me about things I was thinking about that no one else in the building knew of. Things I was doing, behaviors I was involved in. And he spoke to me. And I, like, I said, how in the world did he know you know, about me. But the God who created me, we're all created in the image of God, right? Sinner, saint, all created in the image of God. The God that created me spoke to this man of God about me, and that man of God spoke to me about my life. And he said, now you've tried everything else, Wade. Why don't you give Jesus a chance? And I said, what is that? And so he took me down what we call the Romans Road. You know, all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. No one's righteous, no, not one. If you confess your sins, and you know, you, you just Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and risen from the dead, you'll be saved. And so he took me down that Romans Road, and he said, I want you to pray this. Can you confess to your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that he's risen from the dead? I thought, well, sure, I, I'll believe that. What's, what's the problem? I just kind of naturally went there, and he prayed with me, and I didn't feel any different. Before I knew it, some guy came up to me and said, congratulations, you've been washing the blood. I said, yuck. <laughs> what do you mean? I had no Christian, I had no understanding of any of this. Another person said, you've been born again. I said, what are you talking about? I was like Nicodemus, you know, how do you get born again? How do you do that? 
But what happened that day, I meant it. I needed a second chance, a third chance, whatever it was. I needed to start over again, and I knew it. And I was going to, and I decided, I'm going to trust Jesus, and I'm going to build my life on this. And I slept that night for the first time about two years. I went back to the barracks. I woke up in the morning, and, and I slept, and I woke up, and I had peace. And the people that I wanted to hit, I felt bad for them. I wanted to like them. Like weird, isn't that weird? But see, I, when you come to Christ, you have the mind of Christ. You become a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're forgiven. There's no accusations against you. You're a brand new person, and that is what is called being born again. Say born again. So you might be here this morning. You wonder, well, how do you do that? How do you start over in life? Let me tell you how you do it. This is a story that we're going to talk about for your life and for your marriage. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation this, these verses. Mark, Matthew writes this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Can you say wise? They're like a person who builds their house on a solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against it, and in California, they have earthquakes. That house, it will not collapse because it's built on bedrock. Can you say built on bedrock? But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. We say foolish. It's kind of a bad word to say, isn't it? But that's what happens if we do wrong things. We can be that way. They're foolish. but They're like a person who builds a house on sand when the rains and the floods come and the earthquakes come to California and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Say a mighty crash. So I added California in there. In, in Seattle, where we live, we have winds, we have rains, and we have floods. There's a bridge in Seattle called the, the Narrows Bridge. It goes from Tacoma, Washington to Gig Harbor. And, Gal and, 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 and the Narrows Bridge had to be rebuilt about 30 years ago. It was called, before that, it was called Galloping Gurney. Because when the winds came down the Puget Sound and the rains come in the, in the wintertime, that bridge used to kind of jump a little bit. And one day it was really jumping. There was like 80-mile-an-hour winds, and there was rain coming down hard, and that bridge started popping up and down, and it split. Some cars fell into the Puget Sound. And it was a terrible thing because what was wrong? The structure was wrong. The engineer didn't build it on a solid foundation. And guess what? When the winds and the storms came, it fell. And the same thing will happen in our life. If we build our house on a solid rock, our foundation, Jesus Christ, guess what? We're going to stand. We're going to make it through the storms. If we build our life on sand like what I was doing when the tough times come to life, you want to give up, you want to do something crazy, radical, you don't know what the meaning of life is, because where, where's our footing? What are we standing on? So Jesus talks about these builders that built on a solid foundation or built on sand. So what we have is two different houses were built, say two. Two different houses were built. Probably both of them were really good contractors, building the same kind of house. And then we have two different builders, but they're unique, they're different. One is wise and one is foolish. 
But you have the same circumstances. The wise builder built on the rock. The foolish builder built on sand. But then you have storms. You have hurricanes. You have tornadoes. You have floods. You have earthquakes that come against. And guess what? One stands. One falls. One is firm. One collapses. So many times I've asked myself, why do some marriages make it in life with the same kind of circumstances that come against them? Why do some make it? Why do some not make it? So it's all about the foundation. Say foundation. What are we building our life on? What are we building our marriage on? Someone said a solid foundation. That's true. And so people fall, people stand, marriages fall, marriages stand. It all depends on where our foundation is. Now let me get into this a little bit more as I'm thinking about these verses. There's three external forces that Jesus talked about here. You've got the rains, which are the violent rains that I've experienced. I've been in, you know, I remember when I was in the Navy, we were taking heavy storms. They were breaking over the bow of the ship, which was like four stories high, breaking over the front of the ship. And I'm telling you, we were in a storm. There was a ship that was with us in that area that took like 40-degree tilt, virtually swept everything off the deck. They survived. So you have these monsoons, violent rains that come to our life. They're trials. They're things that we go through. Then you've got streams or floods. So we've been getting a lot of rain in Seattle. and We've been getting winds too. So what happened, our, our ground becomes saturated up there in certain areas. And so what we had recently is not only the ground was saturated, but when the winds come in this time of year, we had a tree that tipped over. A few years ago, we had two or three that tipped sideways, and I was able to help them survive because they were young, but I was able to get them back on solid ground, hopefully, until the rains came again. So you've got these streams, these floods, and you've got the wind that blows against these houses or against our lives. These are strong gale forces, hurricane, tornado, and that's what Jesus is talking about with our lives, with our marriage. We have these winds, we have these rains, we have these streams that hit us. And when they hit us, some of us make it, some of us don't make it. It depends where we're building our foundation. Amen? So a good engineer understands when they build a building in California, they better understand earthquakes. I don't think they can get a building permit unless they get that, right? So that's really good. You want to have the right engineer that understands all this so you have the solid foundation. So if an earthquake comes, that building, that house will survive. So every marriage needs to understand there's storms that come against us. There's stresses that come against us. It's like an engineer when they're building a building in California. They understand the stress of an earthquake. They know what it can do. And in our own lives, we have stress, we have pressures, we have unique challenges that we go through personally. And in our marriages, we have the same thing going on. How many of you have ever had stressors, really bad stressors, in your marriage? <laughs> yeah, all of us have. I mean, we could probably spend the whole week swapping stressor stories. Ross and I have quite a few too. And how many of you individuals have had extreme stress on your life? This, see, these things happen. This is, happens in life. So if we have the stressors coming, an engineer has to understand I have to build a building that can withstand it. 
And the same thing in our lives. We're the engineer. We're building on a solid foundation so we can withstand these things that come at us naturally in life. Now, stresses are external forces. They come from inside. And what goes on in our personal lives and in our marriage, we can implode. In other words, we can withdraw. The stressors are happening. We can hide. We can implode. We can hide in alcohol, drugs. We can withdraw from people. We can get into this quiet zone where you just don't care about that much. That's implosion. Or we can explode. You know what happens with explosion, right? So I remember hearing this story from this gentleman that, you know, actually came from his wife, and he would really scream at her and yell at her, and when they... And, and, and she, you know, she'd be feeling so humiliated. And, and, and so you know, I talked to him. I said, what's going on? Why, why do you do that? Why do you yell? Why, 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 why do you talk to your wife that way? He said, well, I'm just, it's just over in like 20 seconds. And what's the big deal? I said, you know what? Uh, you, you know, like, so is a bomb. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just over, but look at the damage it causes. People remember these things. So this person exploded. Then you have people that withdraw into a different behavior or, or you know, start just getting drunk, alcohol, all kinds of They can implode and just withdraw. And these are things that we don't want to do. So let's talk about how to build your marriage on a solid ground that when the stressors come, we make it during the times that we live in. How many of you know we live in a unique time? I tell you, Pastor Gary talked about this early. I think Jesus is getting ready to come back. I mean, there's so many things going on around the world, and it's so set up. I don't think there's anything else that needs to happen before the Lord comes back. Other than the Lord is patient, not anyone to perish, Peter writes about. I think it's ready to go. But during this time, uh, there are unique stressors, this culture that we live in, where you know laws are approving same-sex marriage, and pretty soon it'll be with pastors of churches. If you don't perform these ceremonies, you're going to lose your tax-free status at the church and other things that are going on. I mean, laws are changing. The definition of marriage and family, all of that's changing in this culture, and we live in this culture. So this time that we live in, it's a very unique time in history, isn't it? And so we're here... And I believe God has put us here during this time for a really good reason. I believe that we're supposed to shine as a church in the greatest, darkest hour. That's when the church should shine the brightest and show them our life in Christ, show them our Christian marriage. But be aware of the times that you're living in. That's a storm that can come to our life. It's like the rains that come from a storm. Rain soaks into everything. It just gets in all the cracks and it flows down the smallest opening and our culture that we live in can get to us. We can start saying, well, they're doing that. We can do that too. And we start redefining what we believe about marriage and family. And I just recently wrote some stuff for the Assemblies of God denomination on the theology of marriage, the theology of male, the theology of female. You know, so God, theology means God's opinion. And God has an opinion about marriage and family and male and female. And his thoughts are right. It's throughout the scripture. And so culture can change 
And some people think there's as many as 5,000 different cultures in the world. In America, there's probably at least 3,000 cultures. So culture changes. Do you think culture changed from over the last 10 years? Cultures change. Different parts of the country, you have different kinds of cultures all around the world. Culture changes, but this never changes. The truth never changes. God's word is always true. I went to a conference not long ago um, on why uh, churches should become LGBTQ. And I showed up, and the pastor of the church, and this is in Seattle, much like San Francisco, and I went there, and uh, the, uh, uh, the pastor came up, his name is Ryan. He said, hey, Wade, what are you doing here? And I said, Ryan, I'm trying to figure out how you're thinking. And he said, it was a nine-hour seminar. And I sat there during nine hours, and he brought in some, of the, some leading um, experts in that whole topic. And one man was a professor at Harvard University. He's probably about 40. He's brilliant. He was master at rhetoric, but his theology was really confused. Do you know the story of, uh, of Peter when he saw the sheets being dropped down from Acts chapter 10, and he was told, go and eat? And, and, and Cornelius, he went to the Gentile community, go and eat. And then he went there and he's told the message to Cornelius and his family, Acts chapter 10 and 11. You look at that story, and, and so that new revelation came to Peter that Gentiles are included. Aren't you glad about that? Are there any real Jewish-born born Jewish people in the room? We're all Gentiles. So this vision came, and so Peter saw it. So this gentleman from Harvard got up and said, God's given a new revelation to the Christian church today. And the new revelation is that you can be married to the same-sex person and the theology of male and female, what we thought it was, is different. He said, God's given us new revelation like he did to Peter in Acts chapter 10 and 11. And I thought, what are you talking about? So listen to me. This is a time where it can be very confusing with our culture and different types of teachings coming out, but any, any new revelation that goes against God's oldest revelation is a false revelation. Right? Let me say it again. Any new revelation that goes against God's oldest revelation is false. It's heresy. And so the Bible tells us that's not unusual. There's been heretical kinds of teachings going on since, you know, Moses write, wrote Genesis. It's been going on. All different kinds of teachings. But this culture we live in, it's very, very unique. So the times is a culture and it permeates everything we do. So we live in this culture and we have to be careful not to let the culture tell us what they think about marriage and family or what we do in our life. The Bible tells us what we do, who we are as a couple. And so now, we've seen lots of people over the years that come from a different lifestyle come to Christ. And it's wonderful. Like that little church I got saved in on Guam, they loved me to death. And so what I did, I stopped drinking, chewing, smoking, and doing. You know, I quit all that stuff because they just loved me. And, uh, you, you know, I, I, just, I didn't want to drink anymore didn't want to smoke anymore, didn't want to fight anymore. Instead of being angry, I felt God's peace and I felt empathy for people. And then every time those church doors were open, I was just there all the time. You know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, women's Bible studies. It, it, 
I was changed. And that was the culture that became part of my life. Are, are, are you with me this morning? So our culture we live in, we get bombarded with this stuff. The news, you know, television, movies, be very careful what we let come into our lives. The Bible says, bad company corrupts good character. So the times, that's the culture that we live in. And so there's lots of things that are impacting us in this culture. So when we're living in this kind of a culture, which cultures have been changing since the beginning of man, what do we do as Christians with our marriage? So Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The Phillips translation says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I like that. Moses wrote in Exodus chapter 23, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. And so I had to understand, and I wanted to understand when I became a Christian, I, I, I'm not going to run with the wrong crowd. I'm not going to listen to things that go against this book or go against Jesus and what he's teaching in the Bible, what the whole scripture tells us. The culture is going to tell us that, but we are different. You know, maybe you might not, Believe it all the time, but we're aliens on this earth. I believe in aliens. <laughs> you know, we're, we, this isn't, our, this isn't our, where our citizenship is. Our citizenship's in heaven. You know, Paul writes in Ephesians, we're seated in heavenly places. So getting our mind into who we really are, in spite of the culture, is what we continue to do with our lives. So if we build our lives and the times are coming at us, these adverse times, let me tell you, you stand on the truth, stand on the rock. Number two, be aware of the trials that you go through. So what are trials? What, well, how can I compare that to the scripture that Jesus is giving here? These are the things that turn our life upside down. These trials, it's, it's these winds that come in on our, our life. So we all have trials, and some of us go through trials so incredibly severe you know sometimes I sit with people and I just just I'm just there with them there's nothing I can say the trial is so intense and if they don't have their life built on solid ground they're going to fall apart right and marriage is the same thing you know um, I, I, I do some work with focus on the family I'm, I'm the strategic pastor advisor there at focus and we hear of all kinds of stories. We get thousands of phone calls in at folks in the family. Every day, they're coming in. And the stories we hear. And one of the things we've discovered, like with families that, that lose a, a, a young child, you know, just the young child, many times, the majority of the time, those couples get a divorce. They can't handle what's happened. It's horrible what's happened. But they, they, and their marriage doesn't make it. Other things can happen. Financial failure can happen or losing your finances. or These things can go on. Right now, this virus is causing all kinds of economic problems. That's going to cause problems for us economically, right? But we're going to stand together. So trials, these are things that happen in our life that's, that, that's, that's scary to us, and, and we don't know how to handle it. Roz and I, we've gone through a few perfect storms in our life, too. Anyone gone through a perfect storm? They're really fun. <laughs> it's like nothing you can do. It's like it's coming in from us from every direction, and there's just nothing you can do to make it work. 
And so what Roz and I learned how to do a, a long time ago, I remember the first time we, we did that I remembered was we were staying in our kitchen, uh, you know, a couple decades ago, staying in our kitchen, perfect storm was hitting us from every side. We thought we were going to lose everything, have to start over and everything. And we looked at each other, holding hands, and we said, what are we going to do? And I remember that time, and we said almost together, we're going to trust God. We got each other. We got our kids. They still love us. <laughs> we're going to trust God. We have each other, and who cares? Right? You're going to make it. See, we're going to make it. See, trials come like this in our life, and those are times you stand together, these external forces that come against our life. A lot of times they're not created by us. It's just life. Things happen. We might lose the job. We might have to move. Whatever goes on, these kind of things come into our life. So these trials can happen. And then what we have to be careful of too. Let me go back to another verse in Isaiah. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. When we have a trial that's so severe, let, let me give you a verse that's been so meaningful to me in my life, in our marriage, this, this verse. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. Listen to these words. But now this is what the Lord says. See, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, he created you, right? You're creating the image of God, every person, whether you feel like it or not. He who created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. You hear me? Fear not, I've redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. Say, I belong to God. He said, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So these are trials. When you're going through this, you're not going to drown. See, I am not going to drown. The fire will not harm me. Because you belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. If you don't belong to Jesus, you need to do that like right now. Because fires and floods come, and we live in a culture where it's really wacko. So what do we do when we have these trials and things like that that come? Let me just tell you what I do. You believe what the Isaiah is telling us. You rest in God's plan. Isaiah tells us, fear not. Fear not. There's 365 fear nots in the Bible, one for every day. Fear not, I have redeemed you. In other words, I've got a plan for your life, and worrying, your worrying won't change anything. Rest in God's plan. And I know it's hard. I've learned that this is hard, but I'm getting better at it. I'm not as good as I want to be, but I'm better than I used to be. Where I just, when we're going through stuff, we just rest. God's with us. What can we do? God's with us. Number two, remember God's promises. His presence is with you. So when you pass through the waters, the flood, the storm, the waters, I will be with you. So remember his promises to you. And then 
Three, rely on his protection. God's going to protect you. He's not going to leave you alone. When you love God, when, you, when you're walking with Jesus and you're trusting him, even though you don't feel like you're perfect, you're trusting him. Let me tell you what, he will protect you always. He will always protect you. In fact, even when you're not walking for God, he's going to protect you. The psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So you know what that verse in, in, in the original says? It's, it, it says like, I am going to follow you. I'm going to track you down to show you mercy. The early church used to call that verse the great hound from heaven. God is hunting for you to show you mercy. Even when you run away from God, he's going to be around the next corner. Hello, I'm here. Mercy. Even when we make bad decisions, we're running this way. Hello, I'm here. I'm mercy. I'm going after you. And so surely goodness and mercy so we can rely on God's protection. So we can have this attitude in our marriage. God, we're going to trust you to see us through no matter what. Number three, very quickly, be aware of the transitions. All transitions are is changes. So how many of you know you're different today than you were yesterday? I mean, do you have all your hair you had yesterday, some guys? Uh, or is another hair turned gray? I mean, you're, you're a day older here. And so we're changing all the time, and transitions come to our life. The four most difficult times for, uh, for marriages are year one. What do you think year one? Newly married, you discover, you know, people come to me all the time, they're newly married, and they say, this isn't the person I married. And I say, well, who is he? <laughs> He's not the person I dated. Well, you know, it, 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 so they got to adjust, and reality hits us. Then we have year seven, kids start arriving, they're expensive, they break things. Then you have year 20, empty nest syndrome, kids have left the home, and you forgot to learn how to keep dating through those 20 years. You're so busy with the kids, but you got to stay connected, keep dating, say keep dating. And after 40 years, you get older and you're just going, oh, who cares? You've drifted apart. Those are the four times it seems to be the most difficult. So what do we do with all these winds of change in our life, these transitions? We can deny that it's happening. I'm not sick when we're sick, you know, things like that. Um, we, I, I haven't lost my job when you've lost your job. You get, people get in denial. We can fight it, become angry. We can resent it and become bitter. Or we can say, we're going through this trial. How can we take advantage of it? So in our marriage, how can we grow closer together in this trial? Two are better than one. In my own personal life, when I'm going through a trial, I try to tell myself, and I pray and say, Lord, what can I learn from this trial? How can I become better in my character? More like you in this trial, because he went through trials. And so we can accept it and let it change us for good. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things in Christ. Can you say all things in Christ? That's a really big word. All things. So we've got these two builders, one built on a rock, one built on sand. The winds and the storms came. The one built on a rock stood there. The one built on sand, it fell apart. Because what? The foundation was different. The Bible tells us our foundation is who? Jesus Christ. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, No one can lay any foundation other than the one which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. What are we building our life on? What are we building our marriage on? Because when these storms in life come, when the winds come, the floods come, trials come, if our foundation isn't built on Him, I don't know if we can make it. It's tough, but when we have Him, we can do all things. Amen? Amen. Father, I'm so grateful for Your Word today. and Lord, thank You for this story You gave us of these builders. It's so true. We need to build our foundation on You. And Lord, concerning our marriages, I just pray, I just know, even though these people look all great and everything's together, I just know that many of us are struggling, unique struggles right now, and we, some of us feel like giving up. But Lord, I pray that we would remember that you are our foundation. We stand on you. You are the rock. In Jesus' name, amen.